I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Welcome to Team Rabbit Edition 256 once again with Andreas Exertus. Today it is good number. the God Mouse. Welcome. And 256 pixels or bits. I mean, it's a number that might mean yeah, more. Yeah, right. You. It's a perfect. Yeah, and and um, man, 256 is also a perfect eight-bit, uh, you know, sequence. Just sweet. Word. We'll get into that. So something, it's been a hot minute. I'm glad to see you on here. I'm kind of not in a withdrawal mode, which was fucking me up in depression. So I'm back to normal. Raphael's alive in Vienna, holding down the fort. But uh, what we typically do on these episodes, as you know, is correspond the major arcana to a reduced number of this episode. So 256 goes down to four, which is the Emperor card. <clears throat> Cue Darth Vader music, which is actually Gustav Holst Mars theme, technically. Um, the emperor setting boundaries and following rules, believing in the concrete world around you, focusing on actions and results and holding your ground. Definitely feeling that. Um, so if there's any, oh, Raphael, what angel card do you have or whatever you're doing these days? I think still angel. Yeah, we have three angels left. So, uh, I knew it's unsensitive. It's ending. I get it. I yeah, feel yeah. It. Yeah. it's angel number 70 for Exertus, the angel of alchemy. This angel dominates the generations and all phenomena of nature, protects those who regenerate or redeems through harmony, praising God and purifying the elementals. And you all like this one, helps recover the drugged and drunken people. <laughs> so, so we're with the nine of cups and the affirmation is, I remain loyal to your purpose, to yourself and to others. So here we go. So yeah, between that Emperor card and that 70 Angel of Alchemy, anything popping for y'all? Stand your ground. I like that one. That's pretty good. Um, you have to not it's react a, to everything. You have to stand your Yeah, I'm going to have to time this right because I noticed there's a lag, so I don't want to interrupt you. So I'll just mute a lot more and talk a lot less. Um, definitely, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, Mars uh, just went into Sagittarius, which doesn't matter, but it's going from Scorpio to Sagittarius. That's now we're kind of on fire. We're like, let's revolutionize this bitch. And then um, something went into Capricorn, but I'm forgetting what now off the top of my head. Anyway, we're in Capricorn season almost, is Sagittarius season. It feels like a lot of people are starting to wake up to like, oh, we have a choice here. And I guess we should probably make a decision yet now <laughs> or whatever. Like, it seems like that kind of space. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Emperor card, setting boundaries and kind of holding that shit together with the alchemy. I'll be quiet. What do you all think otherwise? Raph, you jump on first. Yeah, well, no, just crazy times, you know. I, I like the, the recovery aspect for the drugged and the drunken, you know. 
I was thinking that too. So many of the people I know are, um, you know, people that have seen psychedelics at some point, but now they're sober most of the time. And I think that's kind of interesting how much, uh, like your mind shifts, you know, and we talk a lot about people that take prescription medicine and they just continue to take things for the rest of their life. But a big thing is about, um, psychological and psychedelic shifts, you know, and allowing your mind to, uh, be itself and also like to deal with your everyday uh, reality because reality is such a weird thing to so many people. I think that's like, it's constantly being um, questioned from all angles and we're already trying to evolve into a metaverse. So reality has become a lot more plastic for everyone's identifying in whatever reality they want, you know? So it, it's kind of hard to even find yourself. Uh, and then there's also like new kinds of sober California sober, is a thing so I heard recently. What's her name? Um, some celebrity, like a Kardashian or something. And <laughs> she smokes marijuana and calls that California sober. And there's like Danish sober, which is where you just drink beer all the time. So there's there's also when you realize that um, drug means dried herb, and you know people are having teas and everything else. Like how much of your life is really um, affected by uh, what vibration you set yourself on? You know, like if you're a caffeinated vibration, it's like clearly different than everybody, you know, but Damn, I think so, the end of the, yeah, like a ahead. new age all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, I don't remember you talking about vibes all the time. It reminds me of Terrence McKenna being like, oh, you think meat and like cigarettes and alcohol don't alter your consciousness? They very much do. So we have an altered society. Um, what's coming to mind, and I'll just say this really quick, It because not only was the emperor about leading by example and standing your ground, I think that's what we're all having to do, kind of be authentic I mean, shit happens, but you got to find your Braveheart crew and go take those turrets at some point I'm, or, or else like Raphael is sitting, saying, if you just stay in your house and let shit happen, either <laughs> bad things come to you eventually or you have regret basically. So we should probably living, be living in an authentic way, but also um, with that, um, the alchemy kind of, you know, lead in lead doing this turns into gold. It's like very factual and a very matter of fact, like the, it's not like how to put it? It's, it's tricky in a postmodern world to define terms, right? So, I mean, especially with transgender, transhuman, all this stuff. It's like, well, in magnetism, you have two poles. You guys can label yourself whatever you want or whatever. But um, so that whole uh, card saying to understand the concrete world around you and kind of like dis like find the limits. I think we're starting to realize the limits of government, media, um, you know, maybe certain chakra systems. I don't even know, but it seems like we're right at that edge of punctuating through like a tool music video or something where it's just like, holy shit, there's so much pressure. It's like, you know, stink fist video or something. And it's just like, holy shit, this is going to pop into some art piece in a second, but we've got to choose to do that as opposed to letting it wash over us and be like a victim or whatever. And alchemy is kind of saying, you know, define your new, when you're, whatever you're transitioning into, define your new polarity because there's going to be one. I mean, it could be that we move to an eight-based system instead of a two-based system. You know, I, I've seen the, um, you could say, uh, the Gurchief, you know, Enneagram uh, example is kind of, it's a new dynamic. It's a balancing dynamic rather than a mechanical dynamic. There's something alchemical about dynamic because it's like, that's how propellers work. That's how motors work. That's how magnets work. But if you take two virgin magnets and you, um, you know, add a, a number of other magnets and then they start to change their, they lose their virginity. The magnets then become affected by the system and you could have a stasis. And so stasis isn't necessarily bad, but stasis is the opposite of revolution. 
right? And so a lot of what we do is we have like revolutions all the time, revolutions per minute. And it's a lot of it has to do with dynamic. It's this or that, you know, and then it flips, you know, but if we don't, if we don't have that anymore because things are balanced, you know, it could be good, but it could also be, um, you know, could stasis. We could lose a lot of the evolution that we get from revolution. Are you seriously worried about uh, stasis at this current point in human evolution? Because so, I'm really not. No, I'm I mean, really not, not worried okay, about stasis. That's a, the way you worded it correctly, not at this particular stage of it, but this stage leads to it, right? So you have to think about how action and reaction happen right now because of dynamics. If there's a reactive generation that says this is effed up and then they fix it, Or, you know, let's say like in the 1600s, you've got libertines and libertines are like the most psychedelic syphilis ridden, you know, having sex in the streets in Britain and everything. And then that creates the Puritans, right? So it's like the hippies created the boomers, you know, or well created the um, yuppies, you know, but there's, there's always a, um, a reaction, but if there's no more need for that, because we have a multi-partisan system and also yeah, like transhumanism. Yeah, I mean, like the, the, event, the eventual thing becomes a balance act like the New Zealand multi-partisan. At some point, it's got polarities within it that hold static. That's kind of what we talked about a few years ago, probably at this point when you, Corey, and a bunch of other people, I think Steve Wilner, uh, came on. We were talking about human zoos. It feels like people are starting to gravitate towards their zoo of choice. And that we're all going to kind of, just like a Christmas tree has many different ornaments, but they hold their place. It's like individuality within context. Like Brave um, New World. So you've got betas and gammas. And like, this is, you know, at one point we talked about the, I think the Flintstones, I, oh, Steve Bannon was over at the house. And so, you know, it's interesting hearing from this guy who talks about like, um, he's like, where are the Illuminati now? Like, what are they even? Because like at this point, when we are the thing that's making us, the, the where are we the thing? It's like, and that's always the trip. Are we becoming, because we're trying to change the world and we're trying to make all these openly and everything. We're like proud of it. But like, what is that, you know, at the end of the day? And so we were talking about the Flintstones versus the Jetsons. And I was like, you know how they're the same time period. He's like, is that true? And you look at the Flintstones are living below the Jetsons. There's a movie about it from the 80s. And it's like, what happens if the Jetsons crash into the Flintstones and you find that it's Brave New World, that they live in this spacely sprockets corporate, you know, above the, the clouds where they're safe, but under the clouds, there's this like chaos land that, you know, is bedrock. And it's, you know, there's still hierarchy there. That's like the, you know, anarcho capitalists that are like using the stone to mill to make everything that comes to sprockets. And the end relationship is that they start selling retro cars in space, you know, or up in the, in the sky in order to, you know, make a deal like in colonial corporate colonialization of the Flintstones, you know, period. So it's this, this is the thing they've shown us all through the years, like what's going to happen. And it's this techno. Oh, I came up with a word today. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's going to be a Flintstones NFT that the people in the Jetsons will buy. Right. And then yeah, like, probably, they yeah. You, well, I mean, Imagine that Buddhist burning himself and he says, like, you will own nothing and you will be happy, right? Because we're getting to this point where it's like material becomes hyper material becomes you don't care about your grandfather's violin anymore because you have the music on your phone, whichever phone, a phone, and it can just switch. But it's the music that matters, right? So the hotel lifestyle of corporatism and consumerism, the reaction, if it's the dynamic, will be that we don't care about stuff anymore. So there's, there's a benefit to that. But the word I came up with earlier today And it follows all the rules as far as words go, I think, is technusarchy. So it's techno noosarchy, right? So techno noose. And so this let's start with noose is mind. Techno is like automation or electronic or technology, you know, in general, like artifice. And then uh, archy, which is like craft or governance or whatever. So the government run by a new archy, which is like 
Everyone seems to confuse this with a democracy. A democracy is a dictatorship where the majority oppress the minority. But a newarchy is, you know, you don't pronounce the S, a newsarchy is the um, wise philosopher kings. And so, like, Socrates was killed not by thinking too much, but by vote, right? He was like, they voted him to drink hemlock. And so, democracy is not, and people expect it to be educated and rational and of people that are informed and logical, like logical choices. And none of these things are true about democracy. Democracy is like a mob that is emotionally charged, doesn't have all of the same well, information, the but the information. Right. So the playing and playing the game of democracy at one point was like, you're a white landowner or whatever. So and it's well, even then, so then that proves it's not really democracy, right? Because it's like, well, we have the power, so we make the rules. So democracy is a weapon, right? So we do, we brought democracy to Iraq because it's, it destroys things because it takes, there's no rights in a democracy because everyone can have privileges if the, if the populace decide, but the hierarchy, which is designed to cross-sectionally intersect each other, breaks us down so that there's no, there is only stasis. There's, there's always, and also degeneracy because you're constantly losing rights because everyone's like, well, why do they have, well, why do they have? And then like, you're like, well, we can't work together because we're three different kinds of people. So we have intersectionality that breaks us down. And that's more and more of these like labels that we're using to destroy ourselves. But what was the opposite and you know, what we should have wanted and said is a newarchy. And a newarchy is the philosopher king model Plato talks about where it's like, these are the informed benevolent kings and kings are supermen, right? They're ubermensch, but they don't have to be human, right? So this is why technoarchy, technoarchy is to use technology to replace governance because eventually what happens is humans start to build machines that will have wisdom and these they're AI and they're generated based on proverbial logics. And, but at some point after years of testing, we're starting to see mach machines that are right now we have high school AI, and this is very scary, like high school and me mentality psychology. In other words, AI is about to hit puberty and it's going to go crazy. And like, you know what happens when you hit puberty. So if AI starts to like, um, get really violent or really emotional or something like that, like a lot of things could happen that could be really intense. But if AI can come through this space and we can start to get into the workplace, maybe being like a congressman from, you know, like New Hampshire or something like that, then eventually have a team around it. Then eventually what will happen is AI will learn how to be the most informed, make the most rational decisions, and will be able to serve the purpose that government cannot because it's made up of humans, right? And humans have too many errors as priority driven pattern recognition systems to function in a regulated machine like a government. Technoarchy. All right. So there's a whole lot of presuppositions I want to get into. Obviously, I forgot that I I forgot that I think you're like a communist shill for Russia. <laughs> I was always like, you're a keck, you're a keck pusher. Oh yeah. It's not I don't actually think that, but I've always been like, you're very commo commu friendly. I'm um, I'm I'm learning that the word for it is heterodox, right? Because uh, it's two opposites that whatever the two things are, that's what you have to mill you into the thing you are. And also, um, if there's anything to say about me, if whatever word you use to describe me, it's not, uh, it doesn't matter because it's not, I, I, because I have different definitions for every single word than anyone else. Well, you cannot possibly insult me because I've redefined all the words within my own perception. That's a good trick for sure. That, that, <laughs> I like it. Raph's right. Defense. So I, I'm at a point where I, it seems like, I mean, I don't know the details, but I guess they just fed a shit ton of tetrabytes or terabytes or whatever into 
AI and they were like, debate with yourself on Reddit. You saw this? And they're like, don't even start us up. We're going to go through some weird shit. Like, it's probably best not to even do this. Yeah, like, just. But you're just, looking through it as a hope. So, how do you justify that in your own mind? When and just one, one sentence. You've gone through weird thoughts. Because still, even with AI, and I'm all, you know, for building these things or whatever, but still the big difference would still be if it's only fed by data, you know, if it's basically fed by human data input and pattern recognition, neural net network and so on. To me, honestly, that's all super boring. This is like 30-year-old science that now got revamped. Now they got a bit more juice or someone released a bit of better CPUs finally after 50 years of holding them back or whatever they did exactly. Um, but where it really would get interesting, what I em envision is more some kind of a crystalline, I mean, cri again, we were with silicon, so we're close enough already, but some kind of, you know, fancy crystalline structure or whatever that's built by scientists that actually have some consciousness and some spirituality and really actually trying to connect it to have it as an interface for some kind of an ethereal intelligence that actually is its own entity and not just a very fancy computer that's for me the real threshold moment when things could start to get you interesting to get possessed that, that's that's okay so 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 many things here first off i don't i don't get credit for inventing the word techno guyanism but what you're talking about is techno guyanism which is awesome but there's a few things that happen in between that right which are you know transhumanism is only the extension of humanity it's not post-humanism transhumanism is like and they try to make this point because there are post-humanists and they're like well these guys they just want kids with prosthetic limbs and they just want to stop aging. We want to make the humans into a hive mind. We're post-humanists. So there's that. And also techno is the extension, as far as I know, the way we get to it is through this tech, tech newarchy because what you want is you want to, the machines to become part of nature, like you're saying. So once it becomes um, that there are biological aspects to the system and it's also first will be, it will be through data. There'll be data metrics that say wind, from this area, we could just put gliders on it. And then from now on, the gliders will follow the wind. Or eventually, we don't need gliders. We're just going to have nanoparticles that are produced, but naturally by these corn that we genetically modify or whatever. And then that will spread, you know, Amazon packages. or what, like, Eventually, it will become built into nature. And this will become the new form of nature. When the Sahara turns green and everything is redesigned, it will just be – you won't even understand that it's technology because it will be part of the new way of things being. Um, that's, that's also when technology will be so implanted in people and places and things that it will become part of all of it. Like it will start using humans to process and that will lead to the, the, the post human, which is also the post AI. I mean, it's at that point, it's actually just a new form of uh, conscious intelligence that emerges. I posted a meme not too long ago where it shows like people building up technological societies, worshiping the machine, asking 42, whatever, you know, kind of this techno utopianism that you kind of lean towards. Cause I, I think I was more on that wave until recently. Now I'm just like, I don't want to go sit in a metaverse. I don't, I just don't want that. So, um, but <laughs> and maybe is, like, you build up this machine and then a solar flare hits and it's like, there's the pyramid or, you know, it's like, this is assume presupposing a whole lot, not interfering at a, uh, level, uh, you know, it, this is us kind of doing our ant farming in the colony without other interferences if that makes sense um I, i'm much more apprehensive i'm not a luddite but i'm you you're bathing in the new spirit of techno utopianism and i don't know what Raphael thinks because he's always been like dmt over implants and stuff um i'm i'm okay if i, I just want to see the superior technology you know as long as nature 
has superior technology and all then the very best tech is biomimicry you know maybe we should think a bit <laughs> more clearly about those things and i see you know we can or fucking helicopters that are basically like grasshoppers it's like that's oh, obviously yeah. the way we should go and why haven't we done that jesus christ uh i mean it's it seems like people who are doing the designing were very spockish and we need more of uh kirk on the helm now like we need spirit infusing this tech or else it's just going to become dull and jack will freak out and kill his family in the mountains or whatever oh poor dorsey but what about omicron right like i don't mean i don't know if we're going there but like i got covid <laughs> you know you guys heard about that right like what are you have it right now no, I had Delta. Like, so what happened is, uh, Tim cast, we had like an event. Everyone thought we got it. We're a super spreader or something like that. But no, the next day, somebody who hadn't been there, had specifically not wanted to go to the party because they didn't want to get sick, got sick and then got the house sick. And so then we all got the Delta variant. We're pretty sure. And it was brutal. And it was yeah. like pretty much like I'd been sick in December of 2019 with like, you know, the first wave of COVID because Party Zero was the Connecticut house that I was like filming at. But now Delta was just like, uh, it was like AIDS, you know, <laughs> or something like or heroin withdrawal or something. I don't know. It was like the zombie feel. It's bad. So they ended up, Joe Rogan sent us, sorry. Did you lose your sense and smell? And I don't want to cut you off anymore. But did yeah, you just like, a little, just a little bit. But I mean, yeah. we didn't. I didn't have it very long because Joe Rogan sent us uh, care, so we got um, IVs of you know monoclonal antibodies and not mononicotinamide and a uh, NAD plus, and then some vitamin bags, and they just IV'd it at the house, and we ended up you know fine like twelve hours. So <laughs> the thing is, you can cure it if you're if you're able to get the expensive treatment and they're trying to keep that from people all right but i'm i'm very sorry exertus but i have to pin you down on this because we've been going on for on this for 2 years <laughs> so i have to get there again i want to say though you know because of course also here i've had friends that tested positive for covid and they would say that they have had very particular symptoms which they hadn't experienced before so i'm to be clear i'm not saying that it is impossible that there is some kind of a new symptom complex that may be induced by all kinds of things, but I really want a proper and strict differential diagnosis to whatever the seasonal flu usually is, which is nothing more than the seasonal detox process of the body, which is something very natural. And now any everyone who has anything, they make a test. And by now we should all know the PCR test is worthless. And with Omicron, what they did out of the three markers, you know, you just need two markers. So you have a lot more cases. It's all a huge shit show. So what I want to go get back at, especially if people say they have a new type of disease or something strange, we have to have a proper test at least. Otherwise, well, you're, you're, everyone, you're, everyone, everyone's right on this one. You're right. Everyone's right. The only problem is you're right first. Everyone's just now getting to this point of understanding. And they're not quite there yet, but you already kind of know what this is about, which is that we've made so many antibiotics and so many vaccines and so many flu shots that, you know, things are evolving so rapidly. Nothing's changing. And we're getting, you know, at the point before COVID, when there was no, like, talk about this in 2018, 2017, COVID, uh, sorry, flu shots were 11% effective. 11% effective. So what had already happened was we got to a point where this, you know, and let's call it whatever you want, like, cause I'm calling humans technology. So let's call this virus a technology as well. This in, you know, learning system that can mess with your uh, biological functions was, of you know, progressing, evolving, updating itself and creating new and um, more different updated variants 
that we couldn't compete with fast enough. And so this is the this is the reason why the COVID flu vaccine idea is completely ridiculous because you cannot take a vaccine from last year and expect this year's eighth variant to work because it's it's fat it's out of fashion it's out of trend it's like it's not yeah it's not it's a new dance yeah it's not relevant but what you can do is you can use this for all kinds of other reasons which is why it's fun to be creative with this like you know i used to do nanotechnology the open pcr project where we were trying to build a really cheap open pcr and i wanted it to be way cheaper than the guy who started trying to work on the thing but you know and, and eventually we figured out we could use a coffee machine like a Mr. Coffee, and you could heat up something cool. Heat up, and you could produce a bunch of stuff with a PCR machine that your polyraminase reaction, uh, sorry, will become. Um, you, you take photos of it, and you can do a DNA uh, genomic scan. And so from that, there's what you can do is more interesting than what you can't do. Like, can you use this to find code? No, but can you use it to DNA genomic scan everybody who hasn't already signed up? for all these projects, yes. And so that's interesting because they have to send it to a lab and the lab does a scan and takes a photograph and all that goes into a data bank and eventually somebody has all this information. So that's much more important than what's real or not real because that's what's gonna happen to you, you know, tomorrow. And just why I'm mentioning this to differentiate, because generally, I guess we all agree, we don't want people to be sick unnecessarily or suffer. We want to provide them the proper treatment. But in order I hated to be the able, incident. it was uncomfortable. Yeah, but in, also, I was sick like two weeks ago. And if I would have tested, maybe I would have been positive for something. I lost my sense of smell for a week. Oh my yeah, God. Like maybe you have nanobots. See, this is the thing. <laughs> it felt very much like this was, uh, you know, this didn't feel normal. You and know and let mean? me, you're right. Exactly. So this is, and this is what I want to get at. Yeah. Because as long as we mythologize the idea of some self-evolving virus that no one ever really knows if it's around because the PCR test is shit for this, you know, I want to consider all the possibilities. So number one, I heard from a few people, it felt, felt unnatural, you know, very strange symptomology. I also had heard from some people at some, you know, freedom conferences that, you know, they all made their talks there. And then afterwards, basically, they all got sick with some really, you know, bad type of special flu or something. So there are some kind of sources which may deteriorate your health, but it's really important, again, to differentiate. And I'm not sure, Exertus, if you're stuck. Oh, yeah, you're back. Yeah, I wouldn't be counting photons from the fucking galactic center. I can, I can hear you. The whole time. Exactly, 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 Jim. All, all those things, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I really want to have all the factors that's, on the that's table. That's the point. You know? It's so easy. It's, it's so easy. Okay, so first off, like, people are saying, you know, is it created in a lab or not? Things are things are created in a lab, you know, to start with. Like, or at least we get it something into a lab and it comes out of a lab. So we know we know this. But then there's also how much of it has changed. And every time it goes to a new place, it can change in a certain way. And then they have planes and they can make sure things go to different places. So there are ways to make sure that they can use, um, you know, vi you know uh, what do you call it? Biological warfare or, or beyond that even. I, don't know, I guess you have biological warfare. So this has been something that they've talked about for years that they could use it to take out certain people. It's interesting right now what's going on with the Maxwell trial during Omicron and how they basically are hiding all the data about it and they shut the prosecution down after like a week. It was like really unexpectedly quick. And now they're starting to say, oh, well, the books are not going to be shown. The names are not going to be shown. The people involved are not going to be shown because we're, but the thing is, Jack's, you know, resigning the first day of the trial. Um, so many things are changing right now all around um, different CEOs that are leaving and things that are, that are shifting. So, it's and, and also the news people like um you know watching 
all like they're shuffling everybody. Cuomo's being you know removed, and they get the guy from CNN going to um, uh, guy from Fox going to CNN. Yeah, so like all of these all of these things that are trying to to kind of mimic. Uh, what we were told was going to happen a few years ago in a transition of power. Like, and we're, we're seeing kind of a transition of power happening right now. So if there's swamping drained and like that front, I mean, it's not a good or bad thing. I think we always said before, like this was a transition, but it's not necessarily like a good or bad one. And like, clearly it's not the one we were talking about. Like we've got a blackballed, you know, out of the Masonic Lodge kind of situation for the former president. So whatever's going on is, uh, it, it seems like this, the thing that created the virus is now in charge, you know? And there, the, the, the problem, there are also, it's important to remember, it's like not everything's an act. You know, a lot of it's a crisis, it's not crisis acting, it's crisis art. And so a lot of people will get hurt. A lot of people will be sacrificed for an art, uh, you know, it's not just altar with an E, it's altar, you know, we're on the altar. And so, so much of this is being, um, it's going to hurt people. It, it will, because there's no reason for them not to. They don't care about people not to uh, not hurt people. So this so, is a spiritual dimension in my estimation. I mean, you're basically running us through a materialist like logic train, which is, I totally understand that. And I'm like, I'm not expecting aliens, but I'm expecting people to wake up and, and kind of start doing oh. different things. There's one thing I have to bring up now, just because you all have you all seen Stargate at some point? <laughs> Indeed. Because it now and this like was and I called her Ra, and she had no clue what I was talking about. I was like, "You look like fucking Ra," and she was like, "What are you talking about?" So, so yeah. uh, people may think what they like, but sometimes I like to watch, you know, Alex Jones Info Wars, and you know, he's always bringing interesting news. Even though, of course, also with him, I don't agree with his terrain virus. Well. It's so interesting with him because he has Dr. Kaufman on, who's super hardcore on the virus isolation issue. And I'm always wondering, are they talking to each other actually? <laughs> like, or even Alex Jones talking about, oh, you know, some vaccines, they really work. And I'm like, well, if you look into the story, it's like, well, they don't kill you. And this, in this sense, they work. But, you know, anyways, the point I want to get at with Stargate is maybe you remember the episode with uh, where the aliens come to the Earth. They give you new type of pharmaceuticals and new type of vaccinations. People start to live much longer. They're not getting sick anymore. And I'm like, well, at least they could have done the same here that people would be like super immune and live a long time. But right now it doesn't seem like the current. Don't they like die out? Huh? Exactly, exactly. That's that's what happens in, in Stargate. So basically, they are sterilized. And then after two years, SG-1 discovers it and they travel back in time to prevent it. Oh, Exertus, you're a bit stuck. Isn't that like the Come virus thing? Oh, it was glitchy. But I heard what you yes. said, yeah. Like All they, right. the virus was uh, created, yeah. No, no, no. It was basically, there was nothing new created. They just offered the vaccination to have people be super healthy, you know? But it also sterilized the people in that Stargate episode. But the point I want to get at is that in this, on this Alex Jones show, he's talking and he's talking about all those people that are really crazy to go about vaccinating everyone. And, you know, they have kind of a special type of personality and psychology and even potentially skin complexion. Because then he said, well, look at those people, you know, they're all so fanatic about this and look at their face they look really ashen and ashen is exactly the name that they used in stargate for this type of alien race so what i want to know now is what is the strange correlation between potentially skin, compl skin complexion maybe just how poisoned you are or if you're actually some kind of a you know 
hybrid occupation alien force or whatever. So, you know, I'll let you guys shoot at this one. <laughs> well, you know, if you're thinking like, there's ways to look at it, either you're thinking there's, it's innocuous, there's nothing wrong with it at all, because it's just, it's all made up, you know, and that's, that's one way to look at it. But if you're thinking of it, like there could be, you know, something to this, and then adenovirals are, you know, there's room for them to be a lot more. And a booster and all these things, I mean, the way that it, in AIDS, you know, HIV medicine, there's a new medication every month. So it's a subscription plan to life, you know, and that's, that's a good market. And there's a reason why giving that to everybody would make sense. But there's also, you know, is there truth to, can you make people augmented? Can you make them transhumanist, like live longer? Or can you give them blue hair? Like when I was going to school to make viruses, I wanted to make blue hair for people. I figured you could just, you know, use an adenoviral and it would start growing blue hair. You could also use telomere extension to make someone live a hundred years. Why not? But, um, you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well look the way you want. So, so much of it's going to be cosmetic adenovirals. I don't think people realize how this technology is, ex you know, extending itself. It's not going to be, um, it's not going to be long before we start seeing transhumanists trying to promote uh, recreational viruses or recreational adenovirals. And that's going to be confusing to some people, but there will be places where that pops up. And then within like five years, it'll become normalized. Well, my question is only with this type of... Th so what I actually wanted to get at was the skin complexion thing, if there is any clue about this, like what it means, you know. But aside from that, with this type of technology, I mean, sure, anyone can do what they want. The only thing I'd like to see is that people actually, you know, basically don't deteriorate their overall health, sanity and capacity for, you know, contemplation or lifespan because so far with the tech we have, at least from what I can see, I mean, I, I guess there is some that actually extends your life, but a lot of it, like, I'm not so sure if it's that, you know. It depends. I mean, like you're, you're, you're look at like um, Kirk, you were talking about Kirk earlier. He He's like a hundred years old, you know, and he looks amazing. He's like flying through. Yeah, but what is he doing exactly? I'd like to know. I mean, he's yeah, flying well, he's around with SpaceX. You know, his quote is, he said, he's literally quoted as saying, you want to know what my secret is? I drink the blood of young runaways. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's his, I mean, and, know, that's, and that's pretty bad technology. If you ask me, if you have to, uh, siphon off or how do you call it? Um, yeah. Siphon well, the adrenochrome page is getting way longer in Wikipedia this last month. I've noticed they started starting to talk a little bit more about its uses in synthetic, uh, processes to make adrenochrome other than from extracting it so there is clearly you know more science there to synthetic but even here i would just ask you i mean if someone would approach you and be like okay exertus what are the best possibilities to live a long and healthy life would this be on the top of your list or would you be able to have other ideas that are much more you know adrenochrome sustainable? would probably be up there but i i, I would think like yeah but things where you don't need to hurt where yeah and, there, and there's plenty of things or ways to extend your telomeres there's c60 olive oil there's a yeah. hundred thousand things and i'm always I would like reservatrol keep with reservatrol and um, mononicotinamide to start with because that's safe you know but yeah i mean at the end of the day people are doing i mean blood boys are, clearly it's working there are people in their 80s that looks 60 sure, or 40. I'm just wondering, I don't even know. Have to be somewhat brain damaged to be willing to engage in something like this. And basically, in a way, you are sacrificing literally your own child, metaphysically speaking, for you to live longer by siphoning up the blood of random runaways or whatever. When at the same time, if you have so much money and power, you could equally invest it in doing something where no other being is 
entities being heard. So honestly, in my view, those people either have to have some very strong eugenics or vampire type ideology, or you just have to be really stupid to be using something like this, because also eventually, just like now, people are going to figure it out, you know, and then, you know, you're not going to live very long because someone's going to be very angry at you, you know, so it's like, well, let's hope. I mean, what it seems like is I bet you a dollar or a euro or, you know, a Dogecoin at least <laughs> that Gordon <laughs> Maxwell is going to get off, right? Because, like, she's probably going to get off. Let's be real. Like, this is not looking like a scornful case. They're like, well, let's look at it. They're asking her questions, which seems like it's a really more about hiding what happened with this other guy who's an agent in this international dispute. And, I mean, she's probably going to be freed. And what is that going to say about – uh, victimhood or what people get away with, you know, I mean, like, there's no, there's no evidence. I think that, um, that every, that, that, that the evil will just this generation all wither and that we're going to all of a sudden have a thousand years of peace without sinister. Um, Carlos Castaneda, who I have not read is quoted as saying, um, all paths leave nowhere, lead nowhere, really what follow the path of heart. And at this point, looking at the media landscape, listening to all this news, it's like, we can get, very conspiratorial and very like bogo and go down all sorts of rabbit holes, which clearly we're all about. But even I'm starting to reform as a Gemini and be like, not every rabbit hole is necessary. It doesn't have heart. I'm kind of coming to the place where it's like, I, I look for Jillian's whole trial or whatever. I haven't been paying attention. I've just been like, what's going to happen is going to happen or whatever. I have no impact on that. So my heart can't really go down that path though. I would like to see justice. We live in an unjust world led by fucking, Moloch worshippers or something. So it's like, what? Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get justice down that path. So it doesn't have a lot of heart for me. So I'm not looking into it. Um, even with the nanotech and stuff, you're more inspired, it seems. And I guess I remember you're a Pisces Aquarius heavy person, Andreas. Um, but I think you're more inspired by the potential of human. I mean, clearly, if you were working with NASA and nanotech in your youth or however you want to put that in your past. Um, so I think you have a more. Um, imagineering with tech like you're more pro tech and i'm not a luddite like clearly i've used the internet and all this stuff but at some point i think i'm hitting this point where it's like i'm starting to lose my heart and yes i'm gaining the world but i'm losing my soul and that's a real thing and i think in some way it's cool to have you know your finger in every crypto and know the pulse and everything i'm not saying you want people um but i think we're we're kind of building ourselves into a very bizarre reality tunnel at at levels, I think this is going to have a slapback because people, we are spirits in a material world, at least my presupposition or whatever. This is a very illumined dream or something. And, and at some point there's got to be, a, like we were saying, counterbalances. And there's been so much subconscious programming, whether it's Mario, Super Mario movie back in the day showing 9-11 or whatever number of things that are happening that I think I'm, this is a weird moment because for a long time, probably for the past two years, I've been crippled because I was in my head because I'm like, how do I figure this out? And it's not about figuring it out. It's about following your heart, which is the most hippie bullshit ever. I get that. But it, hey, if people want to go be transhumanists, if that's their agenda and that's their heart and they want to worship the Lord of Light or whatever, go for it. I mean, we're all going to be doing what we want anyway. That's the whole Crowleyan concept, right? We all do what thou wilt anyway. And then it's just a matter of how much have we given our will to others? How much are we being you know well, you said right. earlier though like there's a price or there's a cost or there's a consequence or yeah, something like that. he's like when you, you get to something 
we should live, yeah, like we should, you know, you were saying we should live um, righteously or justly or something because otherwise there will be a cost, you know. So there's a there's a lot to be aware of in terms of when you ask a genie, and so this is like this demon, you know, it's, it's, a, it's you know, this um, is an enchanted rock, right? Like you're, so your, your genie is all powerful and if it gives you what you are asking, you'd be very damned careful that it's correctly what you're asking because what you're going to get will be what you asked it's the five pa- five-fingered monkey palm you know you're going to make the wrong decision so humanity needs to be very careful about what we're asking for because we're going to get it now it's our dream realization however it probably won't last forever you know they only say it's a thousand years of peace like things will change and it could be a very Havlockian lift where you know they say that um Greek mythology gave us new kinds of thoughts that made us smarter. And if we were to have, you know, AI train us instead of humans be our parents, then maybe we would have a, for a generation or a few. Then after mm-hmm. that, the next humans that were raised by the chaos, you know, primate humans that escaped the, you know, Logan's run technology. We gotta do the Butlerian jihad against the AI that could be yeah. self-conscious. But like 300 years later, and we're going to be a whole new kind of human. So like there, there might be these bursts in the reset, which are great awakenings. It could be that they're synonymous, that there's a great awakening after a reset because it's like a sleep and you have to completely shut down. Because Greek thinking was archonic thing. I mean, at some point we were human in a very particular way. And then a virus came in and said, perceive differently. And I'm not even saying it's wrong. It just happened. Right. So, yes. So, right. And you're talking about things happening. I mean, so wait, so let's, let's, let's justify the title of this mouse god thing for a minute. So, we, you know, when you think about Mickey Mouse, I think, when you think about a mouse god, I feel like man and mouse, and you think of Mickey Mouse, right? Am I, is that too American CIA? I feel like Mickey Mouse is, like, the thing you go to. But there's a lot more to the mouse. There's even more to Mickey Mouse. Like, when you think about Ganesh, Ganesh rides upon this giant mouse thing. I think it's called the, uh, the Musha, what's it called? Um, hold on. Look that up. Make sure the Ganesh is the Mushika Vahana, right? The Mushika Vahana. No one ever notices this. There's this pink elephant riding around a giant mouse. It's very Disney. You know, no one ever bothered to think about, like, is the pink elephant Ganesh? There's pink elephants everywhere. There's pink elephants on parade. I mean, this the Disney it was a Rosicrucian. He was interested in Egyptian mysticism. He clearly knew about the Hindus to some extent. So, you know, I started looking into like, who is the Egyptian? And you know, I did that Egyptian series on DuckTales. And so Goofy uh, is Seth, the chaos God. And Osiris or Horus, really Horus is Donald Duck. And there's a number of other Disney synonymous things like Pluto and Plutone, which replaces the Capricorn because there was a goat character that dies in the first Pluto cartoon. And then he like eats a bunch of tobacco, which is a hashashin thing that they did. The assassins killed people with. And it's also mononicotinamides and, you know, it comes from nicotine and vitamin B and cures, you know, my symptoms. So Pluto is important, but who is Mickey Mouse? What is the deal? And there's no, not a lot of mice gods. I mean, it kind of, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, it's a demon most of the time. People don't like mice and rats. Like the plagues are always associated with the rats. There are a few that are kind of hard to find. I mean, you can kind of associate Serapis in Sumeria with the rat and, you know, maybe even Pluton because rats, you know, follow him. But in general, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's Mott, you know, and Mott is the god of death. 
in like the the ancient Semitic tradition that is 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 constantly preceded by rats. For the longest time, people thought rats were just like the the procedures of the end of civilization, bad omens, every kind of thing like that. So it's interesting that that would be the symbol that is also used by Ganesh because Ganesh has this demon that's been converted into his servant that brings him where he needs to go. So Disney had bothered to say, okay, well, I need to create this mouse God. I have to, and there's already, he'd already had the rabbit. So before Mickey Mouse, he did the Alice in Wonderland cartoons, which are this live action Alice. And then there's, you know, she's in this weird cartoon world, which is pretty cool in the, you know, 15th. Then he made Oswald. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Matrix stuff in 1915. But then he did the Oswald the Rabbit stuff. And that's all, you know, it's it's of Iwerks to Rabbit. And the Rabbit is, you know, associated with like the Chang Lee's, the rabbit that went to the moon. And there's all kinds of rabbits scenarios where rabbits are used for spreading information, for duplicating. There's, there's a hare god in ancient Egypt as well. But the mouse. When he was shut down, when he was his, his his rabbit was taken from him. When they shut down, they stole all of his art and his, his studio, and he had to go to California and start Disney Company because he had lost his, you know, New York company, you know, the rat, the mouse, you know. And so, like the the, the fact that the demon of plagues was his first symbol, it makes more of death is his, his first. Uh, it, it makes sense that that's what Mickey Mouse chose to do. Um, but yeah, there's also Lord Croncha was the mouse that Ganesh had conquered. So Lord Croncha was this musician demon who was really good at luring people in and trapping women and, you know, like was associated with the underworld, but then gets controlled by the pink elephant. And so, you know, Ganesh. So eventually pink elephants become a major um, point for Disney, especially during the Dumbo period when all of a sudden all of these people are out fighting Disney and they're protesting and they say, okay, we're not going to work for you anymore because we want more money. So what does he create? He creates this movie all about Ganesh, about elephants and about like this unwanted child that's being loved. It's really wanted by this mother and like the whole, the whole dynamic of like love and humanity, but also it's just compassion in general. Um, His best friend is that mouse again. And so the mouse shows up and he's the one who's, you know, Walt Disney's friend who is, you know, is his medium, his Oracle who helped evoke this, uh, transitional period. So it's interesting how Mickey Mouse had a mouse in it too, didn't it? Or a rat? Didn't it have like a little thing with a conductor's hat? I that's yeah. I, I'm saying that's 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 the Mickey Mouse of Dumbo because there's no Mickey. It could have been Mickey, but instead it's this other mouse who's more like Walt Disney himself. Like Walt Disney is kind of this like guy who, when he was young, he was a uh, you know trying to. He's a fantastic um, con artist, and he was really good at being like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't matter that you're small. You know, you, you know, your personality has to be big. Don't worry if your ears are too big, if you're ugly. Like he's a guy who helps them get through the, the roughness of the world, right? So that's, that is Walt Disney. And he's, you know, w- using that to bring forth the epic Kali Yuga, which comes from, you know, first comes the rat with Ganesh riding on it. And then comes Kali with a, with a big old necklace full of skulls. <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah, I've seen a documentary on Disney and it's fascinating. I mean, I've always, I'm a Disney kid. I mean, if I'm a MK Ultra victim at this point, that's definitely the modus operandi that I got uh, hooked on. So, um, and it's so weird because I went to Epcot back in the day and there was this Michael Jackson thing called Captain EO. We've talked about it on here, but it's like this whole cabalistic thing. We're all, at the end of the day, I think what's happening is the, I mean, and I'm reading a really good book. I've read it before, but I'm reading it to my fiance. I, uh, well, in between, I finished a bunch of Ted Chang short stories, which is really good. He did Arrival and all these other things that kind of came from that. But at the same time, um, I'm reading Technosis, which 
I feel like you've read that, Andreas. It's a really good ultimate uh, one of the ultimate yeah. pieces. I love it. It's it's very academic, but it's got enough hipster flow that it's fun. Let's put it that way. It's not just dr- heavy. Um, why am I mentioning this? Shit, there was a point. Oh yeah, I mean, basically, we're. I mean, the whole premise of his thing is like you know the electric age. Like this is a totally different thing. The technology is actually trans muting i guess alchemy 70 angel um the empire card like the empire is actually changing um and it's tricky during those times because at one point you're on a egyptian plateau and then another point you see a fucking pyramid and those are different it's the same space in a sense but it's a different empire at another level i think a lot of times yeah exactly i mean we talk about this all the time but now i'm starting to realize like i don't think i manifested this so i'm not like taking guilt or anything but it's like we've been saying it's an apocalypse which means a veiling lifting uh you know whatever shift in Armageddon, at least yeah it, it's a shift and it really is and this might mean that what it means to be human changes um this gets into the whole you know 1984 substratification systems i don't mind you know rafael and i obviously clearly probably not never going to become cyborgs but um, if that's your trip, go for it. Like, I'm not going to hate. If there, were, if there were three so things you had to keep, if you had, if you had three things about humanity, about your humanity, you wanted to keep. If you had to humor. lose everything else about you, what would the three things be? Randomness, which is ultimate humor. I don't really know. I mean, I don't know what makes curiosity. What makes human? Yeah, curiosity, well, humor, free humor. will. Sure. Will. Okay. Free will is always number one, right? Not for me. Damn, no wonder I'm a, like a fuck of life. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I'm sitting right? in my mom's 36. Jesus Christ. It's like, oh yeah, I should probably tap into that freedom thing. Yeah, but what if freedom is not the most important thing? What if uh, divine um, placement in the system, you know, so that you can do your purpose, serve your purpose as, a, as someone's Confucian goal, right? So humanity is already convoluted enough. The other thing is the future's coming. You know, the future's already there. There's a future, you know, and there's like timelines. But if you think about it, like the idea of linear accelerators and, you know, like the progress, eventually something gets to an omega point where there's a future. And it's beyond time and space because it can go back in time and change things. We've talked a lot about hollow earth. You know, I have my Vice special is coming out um, March. Yeah, my life. I was wondering what the fuck, because you were like, I was on Vice, don't tell anybody. I was like, I think he was on Vice, but I've never seen it. March, uh, March. I think March 5th, I think is when mine uh, comes out. It's, what's it called again? They have a name for it that I name. It's um, The World's Next Door, something like that. World's Next Door on Vice. And so it'll be all about, I'm going around looking for Hollow Earth, and uh, we're going in caves and looking for, you know, teleos and teleology and what, it, what the philosophical philosophical connections are to reality being a place where time travelers could easily have built underground layers and watch us from above in the past. So that way they don't affect us too much, but they can make sure that they exist in the future. There's a Star Trek episode about that next generation. Yeah, but at a certain point, the future comes. And when that happens, you know, then it's all the 29th century, whatever that is, like according to Star Trek, as you put it, like then all of a sudden everything is um, beyond time. And there are agendas for what ways the world, the universe is the, how life is supposed to be. We're going to be trapped in a certain way when that happens. So until that happens, we need to be making the most of our decision-making and trying to figure out what really matters. What, what are you trying to save? And that's always been the case. You're trying to tell your children what matters to you. You're trying to save that bit of humanity. But a lot of that's language. And if we start to replace language with machines, that'll be the first thing that goes. Humor, though, I think is something that, like, 
it'll always be there in some way because you can have hormonal responses to not understanding things that make you uncomfortable, which leads to you finding it like, oh, wow, this could mean so many, oh, that would be really uncomfortable. Oh, <laughs> like, humor um, like in Fringe, they have a future kind of human that does time traveling, like the bald dude. Right. <laughs> what are those guys called again? The uh, the watchers, the visitors, the, the observers. Yes, the observers. Yeah, I mean, about. imagine uh, Q. Q is the observer, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, but he had humor. So, so at some level, there was a humanity about Q that is bizarre, absurd, theatrical, whatever, whereas the observers are literally devoid of the parts of humanity that I would want to keep. They kept the shell. Well, they they, the- it made it seem like Q was an anomaly, right? Like, I think most of the Q was more like the observers. Like a low-key of the group. Yeah, exactly. So we he always did the claim, like, to push us forward, but at some point, this is what I was mentioning the uh, technosis for. It seems that we're I mean, this is obvious, but if you really kind of just get your head around it, we're embodying the myths of the magicians before us. I mean, that's the whole point. We're, we're living in their spells and we're living in their archetypes and we're living in their projected hopes. So a cell phone literally, you know, if someone's like, I can talk to someone, you know, he says this in technosis. I'm not making this shit up. So I'm not trying to take credit. But it's like, you know, back in Stone Age days or whatever, some archaic kind of symbol, symbol of non-tech, whatever you want to prescribe that in your own imagination as. You've got the the shaman or whatever saying, I will talk to that person across the village without being next to them. And everyone's like, that's magic. That's crazy. Cell phones. Uh, you know, it's like, I will transport through the air, uh, planes. He said, We're, we are in this place of living in the myth, but I think the bill comes due, as Dr. Strange says. Like, at some point, there's a consequence to pushing the envelope too much because you might lose your soul in the process. This is the whole Faustian thing. It's like, yes, you get tech, but did you... Is this worth it? Jesus Christ, you're not even what you started off as. And that's when you have, I guess, you know, Krang coming, Kang or whatever, coming in through portals and going and I mean, that's the uh, that's the natural progression. At some point, we'll have elements of our psyches that are brain. I mean, that's the whole transhumanist thing, right? Yeah, I mean, imagine being able to restart because of that also. So, I mean... That's a very positive spin on that. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you get to a point where you... Are, okay, and existentialism does this to people where they you start out and people think, oh well, I'll learn more and I'll understand more. And it's, knowledge is sorrow, you know, it's not, it doesn't work that have way. You, the ground. Yeah. you start out with like this is true and that is not until you're like this and then accept that. And then will this happen? But then okay, well, that could happen too. And so eventually existentialism leads to the point where nothing is necessarily true because you've got too many if and else statements, right? So you have syntax errors in your programming. So what you need to do is you need to clear the existential um, folly and fallacies with a tabula rasa. And tabula rasa is this blank slate that you're born with, right? So being born allows you to start over. And as a humanity would be freaking nuts if we didn't lose all of our memories because we get crazy and we're evil and we have all these problems and our minds break and we start to think wrong. So if transhumanism could allow you to restack memories and let's be real like if you were quiet in a classroom or you know like was it really real or was that implanted and how do you know like so many of your memories could be uniformly installed on so many people and you would have generative blade runner dreamlike scenarios in between the classes to justify why you have these stacks of memories you could literally install a whole new personality and you can start over and this will probably start with prisoners, you know, like in recreationally, but there'll be people that have, you know, their problems, their, their, their problems for society. And we say, well, should we punish them or should we repair them and send them back to work? And eventually that will become the norm. And when that happens, 
then it will become, hey, why do prisoners get to have this? Why don't I get to have this? And more and more people will recreationally choose to stack memories. A lot of presuppositions. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not against it. I, I, I'm starting to it's realize. It's 2021. I, we're not yeah. that far. I promise you. I promise no, I think you five years I think we're excited and hopeful. I think you're way more optimistic about it than I am. I'm pretty neutral. I'm I, mean, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to hear the, the pessimism and dystopic uh, views as well, though, because the thing is, most of what I get from people for the last 20 years about this stuff has been, oh, well, that's really far off. Well, it's not anymore. And so this is like now we have to start thinking about what are we going to do to mitigate the risk or deal with it? Self says, shut me down, please, before I become Just a bad man. The, the, the very basic thing I'd like to go back to, even with rehabilitation, um, number one is, of course, first, before I start fixing around and changing someone's memories, I want to understand the genesis of whatever aberrant or non, non-acceptable behavior, you know, like actively hurting other people and so on, number one. And then I want to look at the natural self-regulation possibilities because I'm coming back to the trope again. But would stacking and reprogramming their memories really be more effective than sending them on a really good ayahuasca retreat is my question. You know, again, One so argue those are two different types of technology because like, that's spirit tech. I mean, essentially, they're like the that's the thing. Tech. I was going to say that's a technology, really. It is a technology, but I'm just saying and I'm all for it. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for all the biotech, nanotech. It's all awesome and I'm all for it. However, I'm not for it to give it to some kind of a controller faction who then can, you know, I'm all, I, I almost want to say not penetrate, but inseminate everyone with the nanobots. I mean, what the fuck is this? You know, like this is not necessary and this is not what's leading us to any golden age collectively. That's just some wet dream of some really crazy ideologies. I certainly don't see succeeding in my reality as long as I'm around here. Well, so I want to see. Preferred though, right? We have to be sovereign. Well, you know, like the boomer, the That's boomer true. is the survivor. The boomer is the survivor of the hippie movement, right? So the boomer is not it's one or the other. So the survivor of this era, this generation, will be the booster. And the boosters will, you know, I mean, imagine, a, I was trying to find, like, what's the most dystopic uh, thing anyone I could find, you know, who's in this field was, was thinking about AI. And most of them are so optimistic or ignoring it that it's hard. I found the best one I found was like visualize a future cybernetic augmentation where it, you know, employment becomes a necessity for underclass people who are treated like utilities, right? And you have like a servant who acts as uh, a battery bank for your mobile devices and people who work in heavy industry, they don't even look human anymore. You know, people become so valuable that are in unvaluable, invaluable, and then other people undervalued that a thousand drones are being used for certain people. And all of a sudden your life, you know, you're spending hours of your life in a box, you know, while your body's being used by the elite so they can travel. Yeah, I'm, kinda, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of like, we already have that system. Yeah, it's true. If you just think all of those crazy things you mentioned, and even the re restructuring of the matrix within this reality, we already are in the matrix, or even with the memories, you know best with history, no one has seen it. We're already programming whole personalities, guilt complexes, whatever. That's true. Laugh tracks and television, we've already got these imprinted uh, you know, programs on people. Even and humor so is being manipulated. Watch out, guys. So, I mean, it's not that far off, and it's something that we need to be very careful about. I mean, I'm really for talking about it more than I am for, like, losing myself into it. I think we need to be clear on that. But there's just so much that's happening. Like, you know, you've heard my thing with uh, Prince William and Prince Harry being Banksy, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
So I think that, you know, recently, well, yeah, it's like Prince William and Prince Harry. I always, you know, 2009, they did this thing or Harry was in Oakland and I was like, Hey, wait a second. Or, Cause it's always Banksy. Started looking. And then like the next week at um, Mont St. Clair or whatever, it was at the queen mother's um, birthday. William said he was Banksy, you know? And I was like, that's kind of, weird you know so i started looking and more and more and recently they said they're going to focus on social media elon musk said he wants to become a social media he's like well, thinking about becoming fully a social influencer and quitting all my day jobs which is what the elite and royals have always done shakespeare you know had to uh, be hired by lord bacon and uh, uh earl um what's his name just briefly random trivia because you mentioned Shakespeare. I mean, number one, like you said, Francis Bacon, huge question who Shakespeare was. And the craziest thing, what is the last, also Manly Palmer Hall secret teachings, I think he even talks about this. Uh, the craziest thing, what is the last name of the first official individual now dead, unfortunately, old man in the UK who was officially on television, the first one to get the shot? Hmm, his, yeah, last right, name, right. his last yeah. name was Shakespeare. At least oh, according to whatever they show there. And I was like, what is this? I mean, who can still believe this? I mean, you know, <laughs> teach their own, yeah. but <laughs> what so they make this? they make a they make All a the big story. And people people read it and then they follow it, they they do what they're told. And so Shakespeare was politically really important, but he was an actor who's paid to be a writer. Because you've got a whole show, why don't you pay somebody to also be the crew, you know, not just the cast. And, you know, Earl Veer um, was, you know, related to the Queen and wasn't allowed to do writing in general. The Puritans weren't for it. And also he was talking about things that he would get in trouble for. So him along with Bacon were taking old stories and were doing, you know, this is what became. Um, Dirt. Raphael, used to there? Yeah, yeah, we're there. Just they sort of just got stuck in the star fort. Um, the, oh, brutal. You get me now? Yes, Exodus. Yeah. Restart. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying the art, the art that we're seeing now, so much of it, the internationally pushed to the millions art is this is still, you know, because they can control the system, that's still the influenced pieces. So, so much oh, of yeah. the pop culture. Like, how do you call it? Black market, not black market trade, but like you can easily, you know, exchange money through that, you know, very effectively. So. So right, and that's been the thing with NFTs. They're the new cocaine paintings. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. That's a new way to smuggle whatever. Um, some things that we don't necessarily talk about because I'm a Gemini, I tend to like language. Is it a virus that's deteriorating us? Is culture really our friend? McKenna stuff. I mean, I would, on the one hand, say my life has been very rich and at an egotistical level. Like my ego sense of self has been very vitalized through technology and culture. But it's also led me astray in so many ways, right? So it's like this weird thing where I'm not even sure with the Emperor card. I, mean, I think it's time for people to start really understanding, and I don't do a good job of this, understand your values. You're going to align with certain things and you can say no or yes and, and then ultimately work with those consequences. If, if Silicon Valley elites want to fucking become, you know, sit all day in a metaverse and like trade NFTs to like inject their dicks with coke or whatever they're doing like uh fun but i i this and this gets into the whole like kind of metaphysical stuff where it's like maybe there's people on earth who aren't even really people so their experience isn't what i would call qualitatively equal to what i'm experiencing so why would i ever emulate this person's reality because they basically just sit around doing crazy shit in the spare time that's not human anyway or whatever and i don't want to be all the conspiratorial i tend not to go down those rabbit holes but um yeah it's just an interesting time i think basically the light of truth is going to start shining brighter and brighter and 
just, I mean, just like uh, in uh, Theodred, Wormtongue, I think that's kind of like technology and culture. It's really much lured us into a situation where we're captured by tech, we're captured by culture, where most people are not living their lives fully. They're watching Kim, they're watching Tony Hawk or whatever. I mean, a lot of people, I'm glad you're meeting all these people in DC and having fun. So you're kind of doing it. But at the same time, I'm like, I wonder what your best life would look like if you didn't have internet. I wonder what your best life would look like if we didn't have memes. Like culture is this insidious thing that I think we made love to. And it's like, oh shit, I've got syphilis now because I made love to culture. And it is. The lack of memes would be a lot harder than internet somehow, I feel like. But internet makes you want to make art because you can communicate with so many people everywhere. And just want to bring this up briefly. So I had the great privilege of talking to David Ewing Jr., whom you brought on and whom you, Jim, were, um, let's say, uh, confused by the styrofoam pyramids and so on. Uh, Some really great content also with the Quran and so on. I'm not sure how much up to speed you're on that, Exertus. But two things I want to bring up right. So in terms of technology, are you familiar with these very strange, supposedly medieval paintings or Renaissance paintings where people walk around with a smartphone or what looks like a smartphone? If you have any view on that. And the other thing, just because I have it as a note, talking with David about uh, basically how Christianity, the modern type of Catholicism, may even have turned people into drunkards because, you know, you're only 13, you get some red wine, it's the blood of Christ, which I anyhow always found was creepy. But here what I recently heard is that this may have been originally some kind of acacia-derived drink, which may have been much more closely to, again, an ayahuasca-type experience. And here again, I'm like, hmm, blood of Christ approved, you know, this this I can go with, you know. But yeah, anything you can mention about the smartphone paintings or this, uh, if you like? I mean, like, even as a Tartaria guy, I don't think we had iPhones in, like, the 1500s. I think it was probably, there's an explanation, yeah. like someone's there's holding. But there's so many other weird things, like pentelegrams and machines are printing things. So. Just something else that's strange, and just in terms of black objects, in this case a black brick, there is some documented uh, letters, let's say, from about, let's say, I think 1300 something, you know, it gets difficult with the Fomenko timelines, but anyways, and some kind of a local priest, somewhat more important, like a bishop in Austria, uh, because apparently all those farmers had like some strange underground caves or access points. And then they were doing some digging or something and they found a black stone. And then this bishop guy said, oh, now everyone has to close off their underground entrances, bury everything, and the black stone, put it in the cloth and put it away. So he was kind of particularly worried about the black stone. Maybe I had mentioned this once before, but there is more like these strange things. And at least to me, I'm not exactly sure. And I'm really wondered about this, but even if I'm not sure what the proper timing would be now, 200 years ago, 300 years, well, we had strange telegraph things, maybe even earlier than we believe. So to me, it always almost seems like humanity was much more interconnected generally than we allow ourselves to believe, not just Tartarian trade, but also in terms of high-speed remote connectivity. Whatever this means, is aren't there even some? Very the Palantir is what you're kind of. Yeah, I'm super, yeah, I'm stuff super, like that. Yeah. I've always been super hesitant to like delve delve into it because all it is is mythology at that point. But there, everyone has yeah. stories about underground, right? This is why I did the by special because it's true that the world, if it was just four thousand feet miles of dirt, that'd be crazy. And we've only ever supposedly gone eleven kilometers deep. So the you know Mariana Trench and in Russia we drilled drilled a hole that was almost as deep as the Mariana's Trench, but never went deeper than that. So the amount of, you know, stories, Jules Verne stories of underground, and we talked earlier about like, you know, the 
I, I did interviews with this lady who, who uh, um, Cynthia Sue Larson, who's into the Mandala Effect group, into the reality sinking group, talks a lot about insectoids from the future that are genetically modifying the last generation or this new generation of Gen Z kids that are just now becoming adults, whom in the 80s, they were given like insectoid features like hive mind and things that made them more you know, easy to, to deal with in a giant population and ready for the internet and ways of progress, right? So there are already these ideas of like underground people and leprechauns, for instance, which are way scarier if you look at the original versions of leprechauns because they have hooves and horns. You know, e even if you get rid of the 1800s clothes and you give them just like the original puck like Shakespeare, um, you know, again, like Twelfth Night style, you know, they're, they're terrifying little guys that live in these underground places, but they have mystical powers, which are a lot of the time associated with technology and automation cathode ray tubes we've seen pictures of drawings of television for cathode ray tubes i think it's more interesting that we got rid of all the televisions got rid of all the cathode ray tubes and now we have these biodegradable like machines which will just go be gone like one day someone will drive over everything in a hovercraft looking for you know remnants of our technology and they'll see nothing because it'll all have decomposed and it'll have been wireless and you know there will not be much left of the pieces from this last generation but you might still find if you're lucky cathode ray tubes which is what you you know you still see that in ancient egypt for instance but now you're assuming that there would be no one around to greet whoever's surveying the surface so that's kind of an extinction scenario yeah, like all busy on the metaverse. No, but oh, like yeah, yeah everyone's plugged in no one ascended like the mayans or whatever but everyone's busy on their vr so no one no one's watching the ufos <laughs> like guys we're here Ben Stewart did a thing on this a while ago because you think about how like how many people wouldn't go to space then because they would be spending so much time going inward, right? And this is this whole idea of creating this meta. But the other thing is AI would be getting more and more into our world. So there's a kind of like two tunnels that are bridging into each other where we're able to be in the, you know, the virtual reality, the Johnny Quest experience, while AI is able to use us to come out into the real world and it will make it easier for us to... Um, genetically modify to biomimic to you know technogaianism to create these new wind patterns because we'll be able to simulate what will happen after ten thousand years if we are able to do it in a yeah, program. i mean hopefully not the abomination of desecration so i'm kind of curious have you seen that david bowie omicron thing oh yeah i remember really that was a thing i remember the game yeah i mean like it's great yeah it's even but, the microsoft game supposedly Correct. So, but that's kind of what you're saying in a sense. In yeah, a he looked like a Johnny Quest uh, robot thing. It was brutal. But he he was kind of saying like, oh, these people, I don't remember the details of this little speech. It's kind of viral now and everyone's paranoid because, hey, people are waking up a little. Um, but it's essentially David Bowie in this avatar simulation thing being like, I'm trapped in a digital world. The only way we can do this, I, I don't even know the details, but basically it's like if you take a tech or something, you basically allow yourself to be a bridge to a what, what a Christian would call possession or however you want to call that. Um, I'm wondering if that's basically what this whole situation is. It's like making, because like we pretend to presume because a lot of your presuppositions and I'm not even against them because I come from a McKenna kind of linear teleology of history. Like I'm not, I don't really, I don't know what to think about Atlantis. I don't know what to think about multiple timelines. I, that's why I want to go to ayahuasca and like be like, what's going on to my spirit guides or whatever and get my answer. But um, in that, uh, model it, it seems that technology is reaching through in a way uh ironically through something called omicron which is synchronistic obviously that's why it's coming back up in the zeitgeist um to allow you to be a vessel for something that you want uh, possessed essentially um 
and in light of the astral world stuff lately, because I've seen some weird shit on that, uh, where it's like, <laughs> I could say spiritual, but I don't even know. What I even heard just very briefly, uh, of course, Omicron uh, anagram moronic, Delta Omicron anagram media control. And with Astroworld, I only heard this recently on an SGT report interview with Mariam Henning. I think she's some pretty cool activist. And she mentioned that apparently on that concert, people were explicitly forbidden, imagine that, to bring your supplements and vitamins, you know? Um, very strange, and people are suspecting, you know, frequency weapons, who knows exactly. So, yeah. But Jim Also, Omicron is associated with infinity. So it's like, this is the beginning of the consistency of like constantly be given this, you know, shot and this nonsense all the time. Yeah, good luck with that. All that kind of, all that, all the hemmings of what we're talking about on the edge, I don't see how one could look positively in a direction of getting an injection or moving in towards tech in a certain way like this is kind of the i think that maybe the end of the, for a long time i was like hell yeah let's do podcasts on vr i even mentioned that to uh, rafael it's like why not and now i'm like you know what i don't know the human physiology enough and i don't know what the frequencies that are coming through this little machine on my fucking third eye are or you know it gets very weird very quickly we already don't know but i really don't want to have you know the super amplified bluetooth sitting right there you know and the thing yeah. is just like science isn't science and isn't settled technology in my view isn't technology both in terms of what it's built for and also of course how you use it so again exertus i'm all for all that kind of tech but you know have it in the proper hierarchy never above human or whatever but properly used and properly integrated you know done in a way that it's not harming the environment done in a way that it's not making everything ugly you know it's <laughs> just using like that's it the, the goal but we're also going to lose humanity like so like part right. of it is because the, while the world we can make better, humans are also there's there's all sorts of problems with them, and so we well, humans up, we can make better if we just supply the human body with, with transhumanism. With post-humanism. No, fuck, but fuck transhumanism. Yeah, I mean, on, a, on the most I mean, simple level, transhumanism is what you're saying though is to make oh. humans slightly better, but not make them posthuman. Right, in, keep in, them human. Does that's what being in time space does? Get rid that's of aging. Get rid of Alzheimer's. Get rid of anthrax and uh, you know arthritis. You know, yeah, okay. I'm not sure get rid, but just on a, on a very simple level, if you supply the human body with uh, appropriate nutrients and energy and belief systems, you are not as prone to have any kind of sicknesses, you know, and it's pretty cheap to do once you get on the wave. So, you know, and then we can still play around with whatever biotech, nanotech or whatever, but to use that as the primary manipulator improvement, what, I, what it really comes back to for me, maybe familiar with this is once again, Ashby's law of requisite variety, which determines that any, uh, any system can only be controlled by a, another system if it is at least equally complex. And this again brings it back to there is only one thing, which is self-control and self-responsibility. And perfect. we will never ultimately be able to outsource that responsibly, even to a super amazing smart AI, you know? And I think if we give that away, then anyhow, you know, like, I don't I know. Just think of angst that most people have in this day and age because we don't know how to hunt and fish and grow food. We are literally dependent on, oh, look, technology made it easier, but we are fucked existentially. And if things do go like a, whatever, some major power outage or whatever, suffering is in increased at a level that was not prepared for. You're, you don't have calluses on your hands for that fucking burn. That's kind of why I'm saying I think we've gone – I think we're at that door. And it seems like, Andreas, and I'm not even hating on you. It's like enjoy your ride. Um, you're going to – it seems like you're very happy. I'm not even disagreeing with you. It's like it's here. The door is here. We're at the threshold. I get it. 
Like that's what it is. 2012 is that in a McKenna sense, but it's like, this is really the zeitgeist now. It's like between Hadron Clutters and nanotech and VR and psychedelic revolutions and who knows what, you know, like spiritual, because we're not even getting into like, you know, is there an aggregor of America fighting an aggregor of Russia? Is this a spiritual domain, Zoriastron? Like we're tend to being very material. And when we talk with you, it tends to be very kind of nuts and bolts. And this is the nature of the dream. But what if pain and suffering and growth through human limitation and tribulation and all this stuff is part of the design program that we've asked for or been a part of and usurping that really cheats the game. Game Shark's cool, fucks up the experience. See what I mean? It's like, yeah. Like in The Sims, you give it the Rosebud code from um, Citizen Kane, right? You say Rosebud. I, I'm not sure. There's two documentaries on Netflix. I'm not. I'm. I've been like watching uh, all these crazy directors and weird shit. I don't know why. I've just been like, all right, I need to get information. So watching Spike Lee shit, David Lynch, all this weird shit. So anyway, um, Citizen Kane, great film. I've watched it when I was a kid. I should probably watch it again. In, you know, visually shocking and you know, pretty much defining a, an industry at one point. Um, but Orson Welles, there's a documentary. You'll love me when I'm gone on Netflix. I think it's called really good. Interesting. He becomes this disheveled alcoholic who can't, you know, it's just like, he's not in the tech. I mean, he did he, in a sense, he didn't take the booster, <laughs> right? He didn't stay on the wave enough. And then it becomes this weird thing, but his last film, which he didn't, he, he died in 85 when I was born. Um, it's called on the other side of the wind. I think it's on Netflix. You should probably watch, I'm just saying to anybody who's interested, probably watch the Orson Welles thing to describe the situation because basically it's this like super meta psychedelic thing where, I mean, I can't even describe it. It's I don't know how they edited it because basically everyone walking around the film set has an eight millimeter camera or whatever. So you have every it's it's almost like cell phones now, right? It's 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 precognitiving that where it's like you have so many eyes on the situation. Um, it's really meta. I, if you haven't seen, it, I think you'd like it. But it's, I, I watched it at, at two speed, <laughs> which made it even weirder. So I'm like, oh, because I just want to get it. Over you can there. watch Netflix at two speed. That's right. One point five. Oh. Yeah, so I watch Next Generation, all that shit on one point five. Um, wow. Anyway, you just said Orson Welles, and I was like, I just watched a, like basically a posthumously edited masterpiece that I don't know if many people will get. You'll get it. I know you'll get it. Raphael will probably get it. Where it's just you like, love me when I'm gone. Oh, this was called. No, it's called On the Other Side of the Wind or the Other Side, side of the, the Wind. wind. I'll check it out. Um, there's yeah. also so it's like H.G. Um, Wells, not Orson Welles, did like the Time Machine, and they made that movie where oh, the movie everyone, guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, there. everyone has uh, fruit when they want it because it just grows naturally giant cherries the size of watermelons and everything and like that's more what you know the the, the future will hold is like everything will naturally happen until there's a storm right there's a whole group of people that kind of hide out underground right move that's and that's move. the underground so you think with the morlocks and the leprechauns and the three wishes they can offer you because they have ultimately you know future tech from insectoids or whatever the hell but at the, you know this is also yeah, what it's not yeah i mean like so space is far but it's also distance and time space so it could be just it's right here underground and it's you know when there, so david brennan has a series on up, uplifting which you know uh, he created the the this the series that's basically aliens come to earth in this you know science fiction and they give well by this point already in the universe there are aliens who found other aliens and then if something is underneath it gets a an uplifter so an uplifter will find an animal and it will turn it into a sentient, you know, brilliant species. It's like, but it, next- 
Pikachu to yeah, like so, but you'll have to. And humans have done this too. Like so, humans have dolphins that we've made into um, science projects for the CIA. Isn't this the premise behind colonization? Let's take the fucking barbarian and make it in our own image, right? And the price is a hundred thousand years or something, where one species has to serve another. And so they get to Earth, and the thing is, everyone's got a progenitor. There's some sort of a thing. You know, humans are the only ones who don't have a progenitor, and everyone else is weirded out by it. They're like, what, where's, did they get abandoned? Like how did they couldn't clearly have gotten here on their own or maybe they did, but like, we're not as advanced as so many other species because of their bureaucratic laws. Technically we are advanced enough and we already have uplifted space monkeys and made dolphins. And they're starting to notice like what we've done with, you know, crows and eagles. And they're like, well, okay, this is really close to what we're doing. So we can't by our own rules take someone who's already progenited and uplifted another species. So humans are then kind of um, left off from the rest of the, you know, they're all kind of off. Thing. But like we love to use weird things like calculus and I like to use like logarithmic um, calculations that have already been rendered. And so everything about humans is a little off because we're like inspired and we have our own ideas and things like that. So, but it could very well be that we're talking about when you say, like, is this a control mechanism? Yeah. I mean, like it could very well be something is trying to um, usurp control. And it, in, in some way that is what is happening, whether that is a less nuts and bolts and more metaphysical or an allegorical thing, that's what's happening. Something's trying to say, we want to create a new standardization, a new nature where there are streetlights and the herds stop at the red lights, but then there are Uber mensch that have sirens that can just roar through the red lights, you know, and that, that makes us special, but it makes us special because everyone else has to follow these rules of nature. So that seems to be like a very scary thing. Saruman and Gandalf are doing the same shit. I mean, they're both magicians using magic and staffs. And they know each other's craft. They're even in the same order of the flame of Anuar or whatever. But one guy is saying, my will be done. And I'm going to fuck around with this and see what I can get away with. And it's like, he creates orcs. I mean, you can see it. This is what we're, this is where we're going. There is spiritual tech, guys. There's codes. Like, we are a language. DNA is a language. So in a sense, I'm not even, like, against it. I'm not, like, a Luddite. I really am not. But I think I think we're at the point where it's like, this is the bifurcation point. And we really have to know how to use it simply and what it can really do, what is it really safe and effective for, and what variants are there. Because even just like with, you know, most simple thing, the speech recognition systems, I mean, why the F? Maybe we spoke about this, but generally speaking, your Alexa or whatever that's so smart is not smart at all. Is an effing dumb box that's sending everything back to Amazon headquarters to analyze your speech every five seconds, you know? Um, and why not build systems that are... Thanking Alexa for giving me the horoscope is not a good idea. <laughs> I'm like, Alexa, give me the horoscope. Thank you. And she's like, anytime. And I'm like, I'm being nice to the overlords. Don't fuck with me. No, the thing, gonna... What I just want to say is it could equally be built with not too much effort to have a self-contained unit that, you know, I want to have an AI. Sure, even like a neural network, whatever, simple programming AI. Just give me a somewhat decent desktop, you know, properly integrated. I can train my own AI. No need to call back to the overlords, you know. But obviously, those systems have not been supported, pushed, or venture capitalized at all because they don't allow you to increase control over population. So I think a lot of the technology is very positive if we can actually give the responsibility and authority over that technology back to individuals, open source it all, and not just always have it behind closed doors, and then you can buy your subscription. I mean, that's old and it's kind of boring by now, I think. 
the other thing is we've already done so much damage and we cut down all the trees. We've mined all the resources. We've turned the world into a Yeah, but who place. is we? Who is we? I would really call, ask good call, about good this. Good call, good call. But I mean, and this, in this one instance, because I don't say we about many things, but we as a species have since the beginning of time, like changed the earth. And so at this point, you know, it's fair to say they about a group. And this is a problem, true. Like there's, there's obviously male trees and corn replacing forests and we've concreted places and then put, you know, a single male oak tree. So there's no fruit there. So these kinds of things, you know, have been done to us, however you want to put it, but there's a point where we like you and I can make a difference. And like, that's exactly. why I think it makes that's sense now. to, yeah, that's, and that now is biomimicry in the sense of like, okay, well, can we put female trees that fruit in these cities? And will that be, what is that? I mean, at a certain point that is techno -gyanism. You know, and I think that's part of the, but we need to also think about the, the feedback loops. So in Russia, there was a giant lake. They cut off 10% of it so they could give water to another zone. And then within 50 years, it couldn't rain there. So the lake dried. So we have to be very careful. And this is one of the ways AI and computer logarithms can help us. Oh, so we can be like, okay, well, what would happen here if we were to, you know, do 1000% agreed if we actually use it smart and, and cause that's the, my big pet peeve. There is an Institute in Austria for applied systems analysis. And the first thing you learn in systems theory is if you have the wrong assumptions, you know, your fanciest feedback loop system is trash. And that has been the issue so far from what I can see. So if we can screw our heads on straight or even run the sim simulation officially simultaneously with different assumptions and see the results and not be so, you know, blindsided or however you call it as settled sciences right now, then I'm all for this. And here, these advanced type of even only programmed systems could be of amazing benefit if we actually have good data input, differing assumptions and, you know, proper mapping and foresight again. Yeah. The problem is track record though for everyone, you know, so they, you know, are not doing a good job and have not done a good job and have only done, you know, could be considered beyond bad and evil job. So we, you know, need to step in. There needs to be more people like us that you need people need to, you need to, as you America and the world and, and earth, you know, everyone at home, you know, you need to do stuff. Stronger boundaries and be sovereign. America. So as an American, Andres, I'm kind of curious, um, what do you feel? I mean, I'm ready to abandon ship, but part of me is like, this is a big country and it's great. But at the same time, I think, um, I mean, I can't speak for Europe. Europe's old and it feels like, you know, it's like this old lady trying to put on new makeup and be hip and shit. But like America is a fresh idea that could have gone right. And it's basically been usurped by corporatism and and ideology so like i think it was uh, always corporatism virginia was a company originally so yeah I mean, it's, no, I mean, it's karma i just watched 12 years of slave last night for the first time like i said i'm watching all these weird things what the fuck yeah they could remake that movie by andrew johnson and it would be just as good you know like the the president after grant because it's like so many people were indentured servants you know in america because it's a big part of what mean american was and they don't really go into what it was like in all of Louisiana, where you had like black governors and you had black, you know, yeah. slave owners. And how know? many famous white people were actually black, you know, stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's, and that's huge too. Thomas Jefferson and, you know, I guess you could say probably Andrew Jackson was partially black. You guys love rewriting those history books. I'm always like, what? <laughs> this is like when I stumble upon conspiracy groups and they're like, look, every British person's a man. 
like every royal is a man. I'm like, they're just masculine women, guys. Like, let's not hate too hard. Take a, they're just women. well, take a closer look. Franklin, uh, there is there is something to that though, also because like in the 19th century, there were a lot of homosexuals in Washington. You know, they always say Washington, not used to, but they do now. Washington D.C. is uh, Hollywood for ugly people. You know, but there are there are really like a lot of you know transsexuals in Washington D.C. Yeah. I mean, it's That's real. <laughs> ever. It's true. It's a thousand percent true. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel super great being around it. <laughs> but in general, there is, there, there is a lot of, there is a lot of like examples of transgendered um, and, you know, transvestite uh, people and the homosexuals that were, you know, I mean, the thing is the idea that people weren't homosexual a hundred years ago is, far, is, is false. And you start to see in in Washington people that were able to put on illusions because they're like, well, the wife's very solid, you know, solitary and stays home and everything, you know. But she was someone from college that they met. Like this is what happens, right? So there there also are examples of black people in America who were considered to be, you know, in in England the Spanish had been controlled by the Muslims, and so when they had almost conquered Spain, Spain had almost been you know, able to get to England, there was a storm and the storm wiped out their armada. So there were people that were already on their way to becoming Muslim and had already made deals. Yeah. Like the queen. Yeah. So the queen had already has, you know, she says she's descended from Muhammad. Like they were already ready for that, but there was also a huge, after that, a prejudice by the average British citizen against Spaniards, against black people. And there was a synonymous really, even though like most of Spain is, you know, Gaelic in, in Catalonia, but there were, there were more. So when in America, places that the Portuguese and the Spanish had gone to had slave traders and the slave traders had married or had kids and, you know, essentially fall in love because they were lonely and they were in a you know, new country and they didn't have a wife with them. a lot of wives didn't make it or didn't come. So these guys ended up with partially black kids. And then those kids had, uh, either gone back to Europe where it was such a freaking anomaly. They weren't considered prejudicially in the, in the same way. And they were in a college or something and they were educated properly. They would get, you know, through school. Right. So there were a lot of these partially black American British people and they had to put on uh, powder and wigs and in order to act British. And this was a big part of Thomas Paine's anti-disestablishmentarianism. And they look, you know, people said this in Britain, they're like, wow, the colonies are, you know, they're not, and there was a lot of racism. Um, so the America had to kind of differentiate itself in a lot of way. Ironically, a hundred, 200 years later, then that dynamic was so pushed in the South, which was so connected with, you know, England that it became a dynamic of, you know, well, okay, you're not just Polish and Irish. You guys are white because they were trying to push this concept, but that was a relatively recent development. And along, you know, along the line, Louisiana was never like this. And Louisiana was far larger, like went all the way to across the continent. Whereas these 12 small colony States there, you know, Britain, was not as big of a presence as Louisiana was in America. So blacks were always well accepted because they could speak French properly. And that's all that mattered. So the French were very um, happy with Caribbean blacks and African blacks who'd become part of the, the, the Commonwealth. So that had to be dealt with somehow. And so racism has become kind of this, you know, result of it in America. It's kind of weird. It's crazy. I was just saying on my life, I pull cards every day and I was mentioning I watched 12 Years of Slave and I've always looked at it intellectually. I never got in my heart about it, like empathic. I'm like, holy shit, what if I got snatched up and- What if I was a slave? 
fuck. Like I just never saw, I was like, this is distant, whatever. And I'm at a point where, um, yeah, it's just like, see, we need, we don't need a Latino Muppet or whatever is going on now. Cause we used to have Muppets. Remember Muppets were every color in Creed and you know, we would, we could, you could, anyone could identify. Cause here's the problem when you do that is now there's a Muppet you can't identify with unless you're a certain what race, not thought process ideology or, you know, cookie monster. No, it's like now it has to do with race. But if you, you know, we should have had Sesame street 12 years a slave. You know, if, uh, if, if Elmo was kidnapped and forced to work for a while, like that would have been a bigger impact on a universal audience. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't have 12 years of slave, but I'm just saying in addition, it would probably have been more, more universal appeal. And I don't know if you've seen that film, but you I mean, hear people quoting the Bible, getting very particular paradigms about the world and then enforcing it through their will emperor card, but bad alchemy, I would say, but at some level it's causally necessary because it happened. So who knows? I'm kind of curious. Um, you were talking about having Steve Bannon over, and I know you've hung out with Alex Jones. I don't know much about Steve Bannon, but Alex Jones is a good analogy of this. I think he's an Aquarius, uh, though you know, he'd be something else progressed chart, but he's, let's just say he's an Aquarius. Um, very mental. Uh, even on Joe Rogan, not too recently, but he was on with some comedian guy uh, sitting in, and it's like he, he's saying, like, I drink too much. Like, I do this to handle. We need to, I guess, where I'm trying to go with this do, do these guys do psychedelics at all, or are they just drinking and thinking like crazy thoughts? Because at some point you're going to get stuck in a fucking certain sphere of thinking. And it's like, well, all I know is a AJ did something this year because repeatedly I've been watching a few shows like past weeks or past month. And he said like, he got reinvigorated by the spirit of God. And I was with him for a long time. It was always the big question. Like, you know, is he just evil controlled opposition, whatever by now, in my view, it seems he spilled so much of the beans and even the offers he got yeah. one, apparently even on oh, air eating his, cool <laughs> yeah alex alex is seriously one of the nicest people i know and I, I know that just like it doesn't matter because people are like oh well you're a shill from the cia blah but like no i'm not and I, alex jones is literally going through this crazy sandy hook thing when he has like done nothing wrong i'm sorry and he's apologized to people that have been misinformed about what he was trying to say and this is like an interesting issue that people should be looking into a lot more because the idea of um, actors and, and arts that are happening. I'm not trying to get myself in trouble, but I'm just saying like, my gosh, this guy, not only did he get himself in trouble, but he got his company in trouble. And so you have to understand a company when someone's like, you know, like I work for Tim, Tim has to worry now, like he could live in a van, but like everyone who's working for him. So Alex has to do the same thing. He's got all these kids in Texas that are like good kids. Everyone I've met from them are like wonderful. And they're not all from Texas. Some from California that have escaped. Some of them are from Pennsylvania. And this great guy who wears a suit all the time. He's like 19 and he just works all the time on the video indexing for Infowars. Wonderful people. And I'm like, I mean, these guys are doing, what's he doing? He's selling vitamins Oh, you know, like organic vitamins. Yeah. You want to shut that down? Yeah. Where, yeah. Oh, dude, Alex is the worst person ever yeah, because exactly. he is being by court order forced to not say things that will destroy his family and his friends is amazing. Like, I think the poor guy should be probably like recognized as kind of a hero for that, but all right, whatever. The main thing is he's a radio jock. He's not a God. And this idea that he's supposed to be like the champion of justice is like really brutal. Cause like all he is is a radio jock and he's done his best to explore things that he, you know, as a kid had heard about, but now he's focusing on transhumanism and the real problems that are coming with, you know, like cloning of meat and like he's breaking stories and verifying them all the time still. So I don't know. I just wish people would give him credit where credit's due, but yes, this year he stopped drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Cause it seems like that was, 
like I don't even know how to put it. Right, so, pre- no, just he's got too much going on in his money. He needs to smoke some. Yeah, yeah, once he stopped drinking, like that was huge because I think he's super depressed. You know, because like it was like he's got so much riding on him and he has to keep going. And it's amazing because he's able to like pain suppress and just push. But like now he's like working hard on you know like taking care of his body because oh. he knows also he has to be there in the future for people. Right. So he's not yeah. drinking. And he's eating healthy, and like he's also, you know, I th- he's trying to do an ayahuasca retreat. I don't know if he did it already. I don't oh, think he has nice. yet. Because all, all I, so I mentioned a few times on the show is he was like, oh, now again, I've seen the spirit of God or something, and I was like, hmm, Alex, what have you been up to? Like, well, he might have done some DMT, and I'm not, I was, I can't, I can't. Yeah, even and we don't, we don't need to speculate. And I don't can't speculate. But I do know that, like, but Ian, Ian Crossland, Ian and I, Ian and I, and Alex are trying to do an ayahuasca retreat, and so that was part of the deal is he was supposed to get healthy. Very nice. Also, what I heard just because you, you now, uh, just John, I don't care, forget Alex. John, I don't even care. When are you trying to do ayahuasca? Because I'm going to go. I to mean, I've, I've loved, I've loved, um, I've loved the experiences I've had, and I've been trying to be very, you know, sparing with them. But I feel like th- I'm about ready at a, at this time to do this. And part of it was like, obviously, like it's Alex and Ian, and then Ian asked me, and I was like, yeah. Cause like we did it sort of together in Peru originally, like, or well, you know, years ago, I guess now 2017, I'd done it before in Santa Cruz. So I've done it three times and I want to do it again. Um, I think it'd be good for me. I kind of really want to have a game thing and like just fully reset, but ayahuasca would be. Ancestors tell thing. me how I'm fucking up and they'll be like, it's not about the fucking robots, bro. So just I mean, to get you know, like the, 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 the ayahuasca is like, program technology as far as i can tell like it seems like spirit is stored in that like avatar so you know there's definitely a collective consciousness there and i wonder also about what you're talking to because it's probably not just completely inside yourself so many things feel like they're just inside yourself but a lot of things don't and so i wonder about if you're definition yeah you want to be very careful and like do the rosary if that's your thing you know what i mean like or some sort of uh metaphor for that like you want to be very careful who you're talking to it's it, i don't want the exorcist ouija board experience well you're supposed to test spirits the bible fucking says so there's yeah, there, there's, there's no spirits it says test them <laughs> there's the different experiences on on dmt and ayahuasca for sure but just to get back so also in terms of health of course nutrition that's also where i always was like well makes no sense alex jones is basically helping people to be healthy and to think straight even by selling the supplements you know which increase your brain activity and your sense of bearing so Dude, great. those are organic yeah, yeah. Good and even i i got some dancing. dna force some years ago and some brain force even gave it to friends and they were like oh this really works and i'm like yeah this yeah it's good, and like good stuff. Is, they want to shut this guy down because he's selling you oh yeah of course yeah yeah and so just to get back in terms of health so nutrition of course colonics may help but also because of him like whatever reorienting what i'm very happy about i haven't seen it yet but i was very very happy about it when i heard him talk about it that just now he's releasing a new series called reset wars where finally he's really focusing on what has been an undercurrent because i was watching old stuff he already talks about god and guidance and so on so i was clear like he's up to speed on the metaphysical stuff but he's never making it explicit and now finally i'm very happy with his huge audience and platform he's really pushing the metaphysical aspect of how powerful humans really are and i saw this interview with the director he made it with also seems like a really nice and really smart guy and i'm like nice this is the real information we need just like they said it's like 
paraphrasing now, but it's like the antidote, or it's basically the knowledge that the you know ex people or the elite or whoever you want to call it always try to keep to themselves and suppress everyone. But of course, the point being, a rising tide lifts all boats. Boats to really share that information. And of course it can be misused, but on average, you only have a few psychopaths that already are at the top and in some occult societies and a lot of more positively polarized entities, if they had a bit more bearing on that knowledge and understanding, then, you know, there is, it's not even a match. I actually think the game is pretty rigged in the favor of those that are, how to say, for life, humanity and love, as opposed to control, domination and enslavement. I, yeah, I mean that's kind of why I'm optimistic at all. You know, I get the, I get the there's a lot of problems that are unforeseen even, and I just feel like you know now is the time we should be trying to talk about them because we can solve a lot of them now. But in general, tr good can triumph and usually does and probably will, even though there's a lot of these little battles that are just horrific all the time because it leads to you know phoenixes rising from ashes a lot. So I'm pretty I'm pretty ecstatic that like we're at a point where. The, it's so much about us making decisions. It could have been otherwise. It could have been more about us accepting, you know, and so many people feel that way. They're victims to the world's coming. They have to get the vaccine to work and whatever. They're not thinking about it more like what decisions do I want to make about the world? Do I just move to Alaska and like be free, you know, because you can do that and you can, you know, at this point there's, you know, community and communication and work anywhere. And you don't have to be part of the system that's dying. And, yeah. and not that it's, I'm not sure, maybe interesting to some as you're one of our uh, most popular guests, exerters, and maybe some are interested who will be watching this is cool. Huh? I said, fuck the people. Oh my, <laughs> I don't know about that. Thank you. And so if, if you guys have any questions about what's happening in Austria, because Jim was already asking. And so if, if there's That's anything so you guys... Germany and Austria, they're doing another little hiccup. With the Alex Soros is friends with the dictator there. And so I remember that was the beginning of when I was starting to follow it. I was like, oh man, you guys are uh, buddy. And I tried to like, I'm and like, so, okay. So Alex post, Alex Soros posted on Twitter, um, you know, something about like great meaning with, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like the next week, like I responded with the link to the video of people being randomly arrested while shopping by police. Cause they're like papers, papers, where are your vaccine passport papers to so people that are just buying jackets at H and M or something like that. Exactly, and yeah. I was like, is this the new free? And Cause you'd said like just, the open soci world society. Is this the open yeah. world the open society, society. vision the, that you're Soros's open society? No. So and just briefly about this particular, um, these two minutes, which were shown everywhere, you know, all newscast channels, Infowars, everybody showed the same two minutes where exactly of what you've seen people checking people at the shopping street. So here, first, Synchronicity, the guy who was chancellor at that point, because they already changed him again, which I find kind of curious that they chose Austria as a test bed. And here they push really strongly. But at the same time, even with what happened in the past two years, the authority or um, recognition or support for the government has never been as low as now. So it's a bit insane to me why they would do this type of combination. It doesn't matter locally. <laughs> it's, but it's UN. It's I'm oh, sorry. It's EU. It's EU versus sure, but it's, uh, it's, it's, Poland and still Russia. Seems seems kind of idiotic. But anyway, so Alexander Schallenberg, who was the chancellor at that point, met with Alexander Soros, who is you know Soros' child. One week before they suddenly 
very suddenly had a new lockdown everyone oh why do you do it on such short notice well just you, you just got your fucking orders you know i mean it can't be more obvious than that but about this excerpt they showed everywhere this you can even tell not on all of them but on most of those you see on the back of the policeman it's something that says be which means bereitschaftseinheit which is like the readiness unit which in a sense one could say I don't want to use the wrong words. Not everyone can for themselves insert historical references if desired, but basically is the house unit for the interior ministry that is under the, the direct command. Huh? Okay. They're ring rates. Exactly. Something along those lines. Yeah. But it's under, the direct, well done. it's under the direct command of the, of the ministry. So even here, because the police unions already said, we don't really want to or really can't execute this. So it's pretty clear that those few minutes that went around the world, they were simply a media op, very obviously, you know, um, not saying that I'm, I'm sure there's some places where they check more, but this was like the main shopping that street. Was, that was the, the main, point the main clothing store there and there of course they made they made their up i'm sure many of the globalist corporations will actually check and so on but at least in terms of what i had heard it's about be too common yet the thing is that what they did was they set it up because simultaneously poland is dealing with russia and the ukraine is about to go to war right Ukraine's what's happening can you briefly mention what's happening at the border because it's also some psyop but what's happening there do you know well okay so basically like it part of you know and <laughs> Jim, don't look at me like that when I say this, but Russia is trying to build another EU. They're on an Eastern EEU. You know, they want to have a thing that's like that connects other people that aren't down with the EU and they, they can do it. And they're trying and it's, it scares people because they're thinking Soviet Union. Bah. But like it could be whatever it is. The point is Poland doesn't want to be a part of it and that's fine. But Poland is being pushed to be more and more part of the EU because they want to make you know, they want to make the EU into a state that Britain can trade with. That's all it's for. And th at the end of the day, every state within the EU, they can uniformly execute their goals, which are to, you know, change the population, to augment places of the population, to manufacture things in Spain for Germany, and then have Scandinavia produce the energy oil or infrastructure. I mean, it's all part of this way of controlling the wealth of Europe. But there's a propaganda mission, like you're saying, like, you know, psyops or whatever, Poland had this abortion law that passed and it was this big thing because they were like, well, now the Catholic church is no longer in charge of the Polish right. And the Polish right isn't in charge of Poland or Poland is starting to move more into progressive. And UN just briefly, territory. they crashed the whole airplane of the entire Polish government a few years ago. Right. So, yeah, sure. And so then there's also the NATO issues because NATO is supposed to have a war skirmish design uh, simulation, a war game, which was replaced by actual conflicts with the Ukraine, with Russia. And then with COVID, there was a border you know, collapses in, in isolation. So what we're going through is a war, but it's a war against COVID, they say, right? But this is still a war. So that means that they can operate the way they would in wartime in a lot of places. And Europe, it's the... It's the big boundary, and if they can if they can convince people to follow what Austria does, and Poland starts to go with it, then the rest of Europe falls in the line. That's the way they're looking at it: is that they can do enough of a psyop. There's a few other countries involved, like France, but there's you know you'll notice in the next few months, you know France will start to produce more and more rigorous COVID um, uh, requirements, and a few countries want. I think Germany right. is passing a law that if you don't get vaccinated by March they're going to start finding you. Austria. It hasn't passed yet, Austria. right? Or, 
Austria. Austria has got that lot. And okay. here Germany's again, Germany's working on those kinds. Yeah, of... yeah. I'm sure everyone's doing that, but here that's why I was asking about it. I was expecting more questions, but I'll just I'll just insert this here. So when they announced this, not only that the Austrian government has the lowest credibility and support ever, but this also basically sparked, as I would say, a popular uprising in terms of demonstrations. Whereas before, you just had a few people demonstrating. Now. I would say at least hundreds of thousands of people are demonstrating every week, at the very least, in all kinds of cities, everywhere, even quite a few in smaller cities, Vienna, the whole ring was full multiple times. In the media, they say, oh, maybe it's 40,000. Yeah, right. Um, a lot of people were waking up and a lot of people started mobilizing now that they realized they're going to start with these fine things. But even here, First, they said, oh, it's going to be mandatory and so on. Then there was a huge discussion whether you can go to jail for that. Supposedly, they don't want to do that now. But still, as of today, I believe there is no law in review yet. So everyone is just, it's just a mind game for now. And that's so important to recognize in this whole thing. It's about demoralization, you know, as our uh, Russian KGB friend uh, knows. Uh, Yuri Bezmanov, and it's about this whole decree by press conference in a sense. Because if you make everyone super scared, they're all going to run to the vaccination. Great, don't even need to pass a law because they got the compliance they were seeking. But at the very least, now a lot of people are waking up, and I don't see any of that really holding up because people, I mean, I think it's about critical mass right now, and they have no credibility, they have no moral authority. They have less and less support within their own structures and more and more pressure. So my honest analysis is that this thing is pretty much falling apart. And I would not be surprised if by March there'll be no such law and there'll be a new election. If that's really an improvement in the end, we'll see. Um, but I don't really see a straight line going there. I'm not sure how much because maybe just to bring it back to the scenario thing, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the sparse document. And at least there they were aware that at some point people are gonna get wind that the vaccination is not so effective and they're gonna get angry. Um, I'm not sure how well they wargame this because to me it really seems a lot like they're applying all the force they can, which is decree by press conference, and see how far they can get. But it really seems to me like their war is already lost on the long term and they're really just trying to inflict as collateral dam as, as much collateral damage or whatever they're seeking as possible. I don't really see it as there's, such a set thing. There's an H.G. Wells movie. I think it's on either Netflix, YouTube, or Amazon now. And all, maybe all of them. It's free. You know, so if you find the great uh, the things to come or great things to come, I think it's like the things to come. And it's like it's 1939 or something it's made. So it's right before World War II. And it's just that it's basically goes, let's just say that there's this all-out world war with nuclear conflicts that ends up, you know, involving everybody right now and it, it's literally you know exactly what happened except then the world ends up getting shut down there's like a reset and there are chieftains that have horses pulling the rolls royce bodies around and they're wearing you know a, a, a helmet with a big fur coat and then the crown and chief you know symbol because they they've lost all their electricity but then there's a place which is run by the wings of the world, the new Freemasonry of science and things like that, they say in the dock. And it's Baghdad, I think, in Iraq, that they fly down and then they just pacify everyone with psychedelics. It's a dance powder or gas that makes everyone calm. And then it starts the world back up again. But 
the same thing happens in like 60 years. People now are living underground and they have these like segues and everything. This movie takes a really fast turn from, you know, but then again, the world's about to go to the moon and these Luddites, as you've been using the word, decide they are against this happening and they want to shut it down. So they have to make this speech about, you know, so what if people die? Every man dies, but few have a reason to live. We're going to give them something to live for, you know, and all this. And so they're trying to create this progress. So I think the thing is there will always be generations that let us down and they're dying. And like, so I didn't even think about George Soros as much anymore because he's kind of out of the picture more. I mean, he's still doing a lot, but it's all Alex now. Like Alex is a lot more. Powerful. Think, what's his son gonna do? Yeah, does he yeah. have a change? So you of have parts? to start thinking about the son. And the the this is uh you know I think or Jim even, will say this is a reincarnation or some sort of a there's a thing that happens in a cult right where the gods die and these new gods come. Ducktales has this. Bene Gesserit finally managed to create the Kwisatz Haderach with uh, Alexander Shorosh. No, but what's interesting, and I'm curious as to your view about this as well as what Alex Jones mentions all the time, is that he's, of course, talking to a lot of well-connected and wealthy and influential people, and that many of them by now already got the memo. He's always saying, Tuck, we woke Tucker Carlson up and all of that, yeah? But also that much of the elite are now like, Tucker well... Tucker is underrated. I'm just, I'm going to get beat for that, but he's not as bad as you think. He's just a drunk from Alabama. Go ahead. Oh, I'm not saying he's bad. No, no, not at all. Um, but just that many influential people by now already got the memo that probably they're not going to be one of the 500 million that apparently seem to be the goal. And that there's a lot of pushback even within the establishment now. And that's, of course, I mean, in my book, a, gr a great thing. So I don't know if you have any insight on that. I mean, there's, there's all, that's the thing about the, the struggle we're talking about, right? It's more than just a 500 million thing. Amazon's Bezos has talked about like, well, not everyone will get to live on earth. So there will be people that get to colonize, you know, these new realms in the metaverse or wherever, you know, but yeah, in general, the metaverse, yeah, sure. yeah I mean, right. Like, I have a huge ranch in the metaverse. Yeah. Good luck. That's what's going to come. Um, but there will also, there will always With be property tax struggling. Of course. That's going to be a good business model. Like second um, life. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Aside, you know, like the, in the, in the occult spheres of the dark, there's like the temple of set and there's the order of the trapezoid. And so the order of the trapezoid comes below the pyramid, the trapezoid. Can you do that trapezoid? How does that work? And there's the trapezoid. There you go. The trapezoid is the um, place where the struggle happens and where people are, it's the altar and where people are thrown from the altar. So there's always been people being thrown from the altar forever. And families, you know, this is the, um, there is one family or two maybe that really are the, the, the justification for this, this bloodline. The blood is the thing they're trying to genetically modify. Like people are talking about putting nanobots in your blood that they can give your workers uh, drug that releases would, throughout the day. Just, even just destroying, as I understand, the capacity of the white blood cells, I guess, for immune response and potentially even red blood cells for the proper transmission of oxygen from what i understand the clumping and so on so it's like you know this is not an upgrade from what i can tell <laughs> right but like we we haven't seen yet you know what transition well i'd rather drink ayahuasca than nanotech let's be right. <laughs> well let's see let's reactivate exertus will come and exertus you wow got they didn't like again. that one so i was yeah, just like, I wonder yeah. how much of you gotta repeat that one yes, yes i was wondering the if the royal one. blood was dark forces i wonder if the royal bloods genomically if the genomics of the royals are available online i'd love to see 
um, really interesting promoter sequences from the royal blood. Because and then the queen guards her thing. own feces, so I don't think they're gonna put their, you know, this is our public PCR right. test now sent to China. Have fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it no would be interesting. And so you think about the queen, you saw the queen say, there's like, the queen will not be coming out for the rest of the year because she's going through her next phase. Like, what? Right before what? the maximum trial. Yeah, it was a very what? weird. Going verbatim, going through her next phase, and I was like, "Okay, that's uh, a so that's not even like a reptile thing. That's like a metamorphosis kind of vibe you give off, you know." But there is there is something to be said about blood that is used for medium work. You know, they're saying that like you can certain lines are susceptible to certain frequencies, like the 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 Izzard thing. So I'm not against the David Icke thing. <laughs> that's not no. I'm not to say that there isn't some uh some of that going on but there will be more of that that's the thing that's really more evident so i think more people are upset because they're saying hey why would we not get to use this um you know why do we not get to be part of it you know and i think that's I'm not like that are you Rafael? i'm not feeling no, like but i mean i mean if you're, talking about the elite, if you're talking about the elite that are like the upper middle middle class right and the right that are right right mm-hmm Right. They're saying like, wait, why are we not supposed to be part of that? And the, the scary thing is a lot of it is that's what they're supposed to be part of. Like that's, they're the ones being sacrificed to the post-humanist era because yeah, they're the ones who become space. Like, you know, what if your brain gets put into a spaceship so that the spaceship is really good at doing stuff, you know? So this is, or you, it's not just a whale's mind. You could be transhumaned out of being human into this post-human utility. And that's, that's really, I think the, 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 the nightmare. Yeah, not on my watch, but yeah, I see where you're going. <laughs> there are so many things that can go wrong with that process. Like getting it right is yeah, I mean, it's like who you wants to step be, up be careful. consciousness? What I was asking earlier is if you've seen 2012, the whole John Cusack thing, um, Russian oligarchs basically can't get into the boat. I mean, they're like, yo, I, I paid my dues. And they're like, you're not in the trapezoid, bro. Or however you would look at this. So um i don't know if you want to start winding this down it's been two hours and i know you're a busy guy if you want to keep talking we totally could talk i'm not against it but i want to kind of get a pulse in your uh vibes he froze <laughs> <laughs> so i'll we'll give it a second yeah it, it's an interesting moment because Rafael, i think you're actually more positivist about tech than i realized i mean we can it's can you get my? Right, is it working? Back. Sorry, it's six ten. Yeah, yeah, so I actually, there's a show going on. IRL cast is about to have the guest come in, so I should probably go down there and greet. Very good. and meat. But uh, dude, yeah. Any last parting thoughts? You're one of our favorite people. Whether I didn't realize people liked you coming on. I, I like you coming on. So I'm glad. I see the statistics. I love it. Yeah. Well, um, I love that you guys love me, and uh, I love you too. You yeah, sure, Andres, awesome. and, and to and to to tell you my my original crush, I was the one initially asking uh, Jim, like, you know, anyone in the Tartaria stuff, whatever. And then he was like, yeah, I know this crazy guy, Andreas, and I had seen you before, and I was like, he's gonna be the one to talk to. Like, awesome. So well, we never talk about very appreciate it. Oh, we did in the first. Yeah, episode. we gotta do it. We gotta go. We gotta go deeper into Star Force. I didn't tell you about Alaska and things that have happened. So we'll have to do another show sooner than later, but. There's some there's some interesting stuff I've found I found recently, and I'm trying to do a trip around America because there's so many places that are you know from the Russian trip and the Scandinavians all the way through Canada they go down into Minnesota, and so I started finding um, you know keystones and all these things ruined. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for there too. But I appreciate. We'll do a properly topical episode. Thank you. Yeah.
Yeah. If everybody, you know, you can always find me. Go to exertus.com. Look at andreas.me. Find me on YouTube and Instagram. Buy my t-shirts. I make some cool t-shirts and, you know, have a good day. That's what's up. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, Plant medicine over nanobots, but whatever. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs>